Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. Ryan Michaels here with your boy, Chip Tannen. What it do? We apologize for not having an episode last week. I was away with my family for a mail bonding trip, which is always nice, you know? Got a week away from work, got a week to absorb the draft. Um, You know, we'll go into our draft grades. I know we're not going to talk too much into it um, because it has come and passed now. Not the hot topic, but I, I do have a revelation for Chip that I've had that I haven't discussed with him on purpose. So I think he'll uh, he'll actually be pleasantly surprised. But hey, so yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, but we are going to heavily focus on the Sixers. Their season's winding down right now. They have the one seed, but uh, what two and a half games up? How many games do they have to win to clinch it? Uh. I mean, it depends on what the Nets do. Okay, so we just have to win out, essentially. Like, let's just win everything. Let's let's sweep everyone, and let's sweep the championship. Let's Uh, just do it. The Nets are three games out. So, if we win... um, If we win the next three, then we clinch, yeah. So, we have the Pacers... The Heat and the Magic? Pacers Heat, Magic twice to end the season, yes. Okay. All right, so they really need to come up clutch and get that one seed because I really don't want that two seed because that will lead to the matchup of death. Um, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, the next thing, the Flyers have again broken my heart. Uh, they are out of playoff contention, obviously, because they're the Flyers and they like to do that. And um, the Phillies, you know, they're so up and down. My boy Hector, he had a game. He had a game. You know, he's pitching so well, Chip. Wouldn't you agree? Um, yeah. Yeah. W- would you agree? Um, y- yeah. Yeah. After that blown save? So, you know, I don't know, man. I I gave him an opportunity. It's not over yet, all right? The the opportunity was, and you know, I did give a fair opportunity. We're in May, okay? It's early for this. Well, all right. Maybe he'll get it out of the way early and, you know, bounce, bounce back. I mean, I say that with not the biggest <laughs> confidence, but you know, it's still right. possible. Um, the bats have been off and on. They've been putting up some numbers lately, um, but the pitching has been really inconsistent, and that doesn't just go to the bullpen. Starters have been really inconsistent. Um, believe it or not, Vince Velasquez has been having a really good season so far. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. I still really hate him, like a lot. Uh, I know, but. I think I think Vince Velasquez is my Hector version Neris. of Hector Neris, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but he has been pitching well. Okay. So, for okay, Vince Velasquez standards well. All right, he's been yeah, he's been decent, okay? He's been the getting deep in the game. He's not getting out in the third inning. Whatever. Okay. I mean, <laughs> 
Phillies pitchers being really inconsistent is not breaking news, but do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Breaking news, this important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news we've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details are on the next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to make sure your testes are as safe as possible. Now, with previous electric trimmers, they don't have guards. So if you're stretching your testes out to get that one hair that just won't go, you you can clip yourself real easy. And I've done that. And it bleeds a lot. And you want to prevent that. And Manscaped is different. And Chip, can you tell them why? What makes what makes this trimmer different from all other trimmers is they have a new multi-function on and off switch that can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. And looks-wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish. It even features a hot-foiled stamped black chrome Manscaped logo, so you can show that mower off loud and proud. The optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Did I mention the wireless charging? The lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. If you're still trimming with your face with your ball trimmer, it's time to make some changes. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth, and your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use code PHL. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I got nothing left. What you say, Chippy? Cue the Rocky music. You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Philly sports experience. Let's get in the huddle and talk some birds, baby. Birds. birds. Okay. So draft night. Let's go over it, Chippy. It was uh, it was intense. It was, it was very intense. I was on the edge of my seat, literally. Uh, we were together. And I was crapping my pants. Now, you know, first and foremost, 
the trade with the Cowboys. Did not see it coming. I mean, who saw that one coming? You know what I mean? No one, and if they did, they're lying. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I mean, the draft, you know, the first couple picks went as expected. Um, you know, Lawrence Wilson, Lance three was maybe a bit surprising, but, um, you know, the draft really, the fact that the 49ers didn't tell anyone that they were picking them, including their coaches. That's crazy. That's a little wild. It is wild. It's very surprising. Um, but Hey, I mean, they liked, they liked them and, and, uh, I I think he's gonna be good. I think that was, was, that was probably the right pick for them. Um, well, he's the biggest up, wild card of the draft. He is, I think, but he has he has immense potential, in my opinion. And he's he's still pretty raw, so he's not ready yet. But he's going to a perfect situation. I mean, they have they have a great team already. Uh, he's going to be sitting behind a guy who has already been to a Super Bowl. So I think it's a great situation for him. I'm happy for him. Um, and then the Atlanta going Pitts wasn't really a surprise. Um, Chase going five wasn't a surprise, even though a lot of people thought they would go offensive line. I think it was just too much to pass up on giving Joe Burrow his, you know, his guy back. So, um, I think the Dolphins wanted one of those two guys being Pitts or Chase, but they settled for Waddle. I think Waddle's fantastic anyway, so I think they'll be fine. Um, you know, you did call him going earlier than Smith. Yeah, I, I, I had a feeling he would. Um, I, I liked Waddle better than Smith coming out, but, uh, you know, I still love Smith, obviously. Um, so, I mean, there was, top, there was three top guys, in my opinion, and it was Chase, Waddle, and, and, and Smith. And you can't go wrong with any three of those guys. So, um, but, yeah, seven, uh, the Lions, you know, took Sewell, who fell into their lap, which is, uh, I think that was a good pick for him. Um, and then eight, nine were... You know, after after what we did in the draft, I told Ryan that what what happened at eight nine really saved our draft. Um, the, I didn't Carol- see it happening. I didn't see it happening at all. Carolina took J.C. Horn. Um, very surprising. Did not think that's what they were going, but that's what they said. That's that's the guy they wanted all along. Um, and same thing with Denver. Denver taking Patrick Sertan at nine. Um, that those two picks really saved our draft because if they don't go, Dallas takes them a 10 and they didn't. So they decided, Hey, we can still get our guy at 12. Let's, let's trade back, get an extra third. And that's exactly what they did. Eagles move up and they take Devontae Smith right in front of the giants. So we're definitely going to take him. So it, it was as much as I hate to say it, Howie was right. Howie was right early. Um, he 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 made the right moves. So now, we, we essentially got another first for getting our guy. Correct. Now, this is by no means Howie is off. You know, the hook. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's off. He's not off the hook by no way. I mean, he 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 made a good move. Now. So I got to give them that. Um, like you said, we pretty much moved back to get a first round pick next year. We, we could have three next year. 
and then we only gave up a third, which we had two of in this year's draft to move back up two spots and take Smith. So it was, it was a crazy, crazy turn of events that I did not expect at all. And Hey man, we got Devontae Smith and I could not be happier. Look, uh, the trade with the Cowboys did not see it coming. Yep. Um, I, I guess the only thing that Jerry Jones was thinking was like, well, I didn't get my guy that I wanted, and there's yep. still someone on the board that neither of these two people are going to take. So why don't I get an extra third for it? I don't really care. Yeah. I, I don't see why he would do that unless he was more concerned with the Giants getting another receiver, which, you know, could could have been. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't really care what his intentions were. I care that he actually made the trade. I was shocked. And it allowed us to get Devontae Smith. And I think immediately Devontae Smith is going to have a, a great career. I so, agree. He's immediately our number one receiver. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he's coming in here with with Jalen Hurts, who who obviously played together at Alabama. They they know each other well. They have good chemistry already. So it was just a perfect pick. It was a perfect scenario. Um and and how he did the right thing. As much as I hate to admit it. Now, I did spear fingers the TV and talk it into existence. So I do have to give myself some credit. <laughs> and you were there I, to watch that happen. I, I, I was there. I was so nervous in that moment that I completely just toned out what you were even saying. But, yeah, you're right. You you, you just kept saying it. I didn't want to hear it, but you, you did say it. And then when, when Roger Goodell said Devontae, I didn't even, I didn't even need him to finish that. As soon as he said Devontae, I'm like, thank God. I literally rolled on the floor. Ryan was there. He saw me. We we freaked out. We screamed. It was oh my god. It was a thing of beauty. Woke up the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. The dogs were barking in the backyard. I don't even have dogs. Draft starts at eight and it takes an hour to go ten picks. So you know, it was like nine nine thirty at that point. But it was like ten. But yeah. But it, it was finally finally they did the right thing finally in the draft. So, and then we get to the second round. Yep. All right, go ahead, Chippy. You're yes. a draft wizard. They, t- I mean, listen, they 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 took Landon Dickerson. Um, they took the center out of Alabama. They took another Alabama guy, which is, they usually do not do, but they took Alabama guys back to back. So maybe this is uh, them finally realizing that you know Alabama guys turn out pretty good, so we should take some. Um. But, uh, you know, the thing with the thing with Landon Dickerson is, I mean, he's the best center in this draft. Um, he's arguably the best interior offensive lineman in the draft. But he fell to the second round because he tore his ACL last year. You know, I. It wasn't the sexiest pick. It wasn't. Um, but we need to think about life ahead without Jason Kelsey. And that could be very soon. That could be as soon as the end of this year. So, and we took a guy that has played every position on the offensive line. He's a big dude. 
Alabama kid, so you know he's coached up right. And I'm not worried about his coaching or his play. It, it's really the injury history. Yeah. Um, if he can stay healthy in the NFL, I have no doubt that he's going to be a really good talent yeah. at center. I think this year he'll probably play guard. Um, he does have the potential to play any offensive line position. It's just, you know, and we talked about this before, the level of talent at the NFL level is really going to put strain on those ligaments and previous injuries, and he has a bad ankle. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but it's definitely something to be concerned with, you know. Um, And now, at this point, Howie has a history of taking people with injury concerns in the second round. Uh, we'll see how this one pans out. You know, I know you can't think about it that way, and you have to look at the talent at hand. But it, it is concerning. I wouldn't say it's a bad pick, but it was like an okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I do get the injury concern. Uh, it concerns me as well. But without the concerns, he's he's a first-round talent easily. I mean, he's, a, he's arguably a top. 15 talent in this draft. Uh, but the reason he fell, of course, was the injury. So we got a first round talent just in the second round with, with injury history. So again, like you said, this is nothing new to us. You know, we, 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 we know what we know about taking injured guys in the past. We, we've seen it plenty of times and not just with the Eagles. It's been, it's been with every, every Philadelphia sports team. So like you said, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully he can stay healthy because I think he can be a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl offensive lineman, whether that be a guard or at center. Um, so, but yeah, this year he'll, he'll probably start at guard when he's healthy. And then whenever Kelsey hangs him up, he'll, he'll be the guy. Okay. And with that, let's move on to the third. So the third, they take Milton Williams, who is a defensive lineman out of Louisiana Tech. Um, I'm going to say this a lot with Eagles draft. They, this is, this is great value for the, for, for where they, where they selected this guy. Um, Milton Williams is, he's about, you know, 285 pounds. So, you know, but he played edge at Louisiana tech. Um, and he played in t- inside of Louisiana tech. So he has the flexibility to do both. Uh, he'll probably be used more in the interior of our defensive line. Um, but he's a, he's a good pass rusher. Um, and I think he's just a good rotational defensive lineman that we, that we needed. Uh, we lost Malik Jackson. That was a big loss. Um, you still have Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave who, who you'll probably start. And then we, we brought back Hassan Ridgeway. Um, but we need, we need, we needed a lot more depth to that position. And, um, Milton Williams was one of the top guys available at that time. So I thought it was great value. And, um, he's still a bit raw, but he's going to play right away. And, uh, he's going to bring, you know, he, I mean, he already has a lot of talent, so we'll see. I didn't know much about him because it's, you know, it's a Louisiana Tech, it's a smaller school, but. Um, I did some research on the guy and yeah, he, he had a pretty good season. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I wasn't mad at the pick though. I just didn't think it made sense at that point. Um, I didn't think it made sense to trade back. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought they should have went corner there. But I, I agree with you that the value's there for them. Um, I also agree that there is a limited evaluation of him coming from a smaller school. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you said it best, how he likes to go uh, defensive tackles and offensive line early on. And, you know, he goes he right for the trenches. How he said it himself, you know, he he builds through the lines first and then he builds out from there. I mean, that's how, that's how he said we won a Super Bowl, which it, it's true. That, that, it is how we won a Super Bowl. Um, we had a great offensive line. We had a great, de- great defensive line. So um, that's the way he builds his teams. And when we need depth at those positions, he's going to go out and get it. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. You know, I, I don't think Milton Williams is a bad player. I don't want to take away from him at all. Um, but we do have to discuss the uh, awkward interaction with Howie and Tim Donahue. Or is it Tom Donahue? Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> I think people. I don't even know. Who, I didn't really know who he was. You know, he's just a front office guy, yeah, an advisor, but he seemed PO'd. Yeah, well, apparently, Howie said that he wanted uh, another defensive tackle that went right before. So they decided to trade back and um, and and get and get Williams. Um, so. I think he was just mad at um, someone who took the player that he wanted in front of them. So I think that's why. Um, but the whole, the people, the, all the people saying, you know, it's just another example of Howie and, you know, that whole, the whole situation. I, I just don't think it's, I think people are blowing it out of proportion. And if it, if it is the case, we already knew that the, the front office was in disarray anyway. So who cares? Fair point. So, fair point. All right, let's um, let's move forward a little bit. Let's go to the fourth. So the fourth round, Eagles finally took a corner, uh, and it's it was Zach McPherson out of Texas Tech. Now Zach McPherson, former Penn Stater, former Penn Stater, transferred from from Penn State to Texas Tech. Um, he played outside the Texas Tech. Um. So we'll see. Uh, Howie, people asked Howie why he didn't take a corner or, earlier, and he said that help. He's not. Pro- he's probably not done making moves yet. So that's most likely why. Uh, so you'll you'll probably see some some other moves made. And um, I like McPherson though. I think he's a good player. Uh, he played mostly outside, like I said, at Texas Tech. So that's exactly what we needed. Was an outside guy. Um, he's only five eleven, but. He has a lot of experience playing out there, so I think he'll be fine. Um, he can play the nickel though with that size, so he's 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 flexible. Um, and it was no, it was just another great value pick. Um, I think he was. Uh, I watched NFL Network and D, uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network had him in his top 100. So and we got him at 123. So it was another good value pick for the Eagles, and um, you know most of these picks were were just good value. Um, I think Howie this year realized that his team is is in a rebuild mode, even though he won't admit it. So he just decided to take best player available with most of his picks, and um, this one was another case of that. And let's move on to the fifth. Fifth round, they took a running back uh, out of Memphis, Kenneth Gainwell, and I like this pick a ton. I, I really do. Um, He's stoked. 
to be an Eagle. He is. He, he, he was an Eagles fan growing up. He's the cousin of Fletcher Cox, I think. Um, he is. So it was just a match made in heaven, um, and he's a good player. He's a real good player. I think he's a he's the perfect change of pace guy to Miles Sanders. Um, he's a very good pass catcher out of the backfield, and he's a decent he's a decent runner. Um, so I think it's I think it's a perfect pick. Uh, another great value pick. Um, a lot of people not expect him to be in the fifth round, so we 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 swiped him there. Um, like I said, he, he's a he's a perfect compliment to Miles Sanders. He's gonna be he's gonna be in a fight with Boston Scott most likely. Uh, we brought back Jordan Howard. Uh, we signed Carryon Johnson off waivers. I yeah, like I was about to say up. with that pick and the signing of Carryon Johnson off of waivers, it's gonna be a really crowded running back room where there's gonna be some cuts. Yeah, there's gonna be cuts, but it's it's gonna be competition. That's that's exactly what the Eagles wanted. Um, you know, really the only lock probably is. Miles Sanders, um, but I, I like Carryon Johnson a ton. Um, I like Kenneth Gainwell a ton. So I like the pick and I like the moves that they've made uh, to to beef up that running back room. So we'll see what happens during training camp and who ultimately makes the roster. On to the sixth. So the Eagles had three sixth round picks. Uh, the first one was another defensive tackle. At a USC, it was uh, Marlon Tuipoloto. Again, another great value pick. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say this a lot. It was another great value pick. He was, he was uh, I think, in DJ's top 150, if not higher. Uh, we got him at 189. So I think it's a great pick. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's just another really good rotational defensive tackle um, because Spiegels love doing that. Um, you got to give Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave some breaks at times. And now we have some good depth there at defensive tackle with Milton Williams. Uh, now with uh, Hassan Ridgeway coming back for a year and now with Marlon Tulipolotu and, you know, among others. So uh, another really good pick that I had no problem with. And then? And then we took a defense event out of Coastal Carolina. Shout out to my cousin Carly who went there. Um, Teron Jackson. Um, again, this was uh, again another good value pick. He's a bit he's a bit raw, um, but he had a really really good 2020. I think he led the whatever conference Coastal Carolina is in. He led that conference in sacks, and I think he was the um, conference player of the year in that conference as well. Defensive player of the year. Sorry, he was a conference defensive player of the year in that in that conference. So had a really really good uh, year last year. So we'll see if he can continue to develop. Still a bit raw, um, but again, how he was had defensive line on his mind in this draft, and we're not even done with defensive linemen yet. So, all right, moving on. And then the third sixth round pick was a safety out of LSU, Jacoby Stevens. Um, didn't know much about this guy, um, even though he, he, he did come from LSU. He's kind of like a safety linebacker hybrid. He, 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 you know, he's, I think he's like 215 to 20 pounds in that range, I think. So he's, he's more of an in the box safety. If you're going to play him at safety, you could play him at linebacker. Um, you know, he, he's probably going to play maybe that Malcolm Jenkins role if he is, if he is going to play on defense. Um, that's it. That's where I see him best. 
so we'll see. I'm, I'm interested to see how they use him. Um, he's not really an over, he's not really a, a deep safety that you play for covering. He's more of a run defender, tackler. That's what. Uh, I'm interested to see how they use him, and uh, it'll it'll be probably as like a safety linebacker hybrid. Okay. And then, yeah. and then, last but not least, round seven, uh, we took another. Uh, I guess he's an edge rusher, uh, Patrick Johnson out of Tulane. This is another great value pick. Um, he should have he should have been gone long before this. Just another really good um, player. Uh, he 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 had a lot of production at Tulane. I know it's Tulane, um, but he he produced really really well. Um, so I think, I think the Teron Jackson and Patrick Johnson are very similar in that they produced very well, but they're just not at the best competition being in coastal Carolina and Tulane respectively. So I like the picks a lot. Um, I like Patrick Johnson a ton and I think they'll both, uh, be rotational edge rushers that could be here for a long time. Okay. So, yeah, overall, um, I like this draft a ton. I like it probably more than most people. Um, the biggest thing with me for this draft is I know they took a lot of defensive linemen. I know they, you know, they really beefed up their lines. Um, but we're rebuilding. And I know, t- I know how he doesn't want to admit it, but we are, we're rebuilding. And you can see that throughout this draft, Howie Roseman really took just the best player available. And I love that. Um, that's what you got to do when you're rebuild mode. Um, I know he, you know, he probably didn't focus on areas of need, but again, that's, that's what you got to do when you're, when you're rebuilding. Um, and there was a lot of holes in this team. There's still a few holes left, but, um, I like this draft a lot. I, I would probably give it like an A minus or B plus in that range. Now, I don't think it's an A minus. I could, I could see where you're coming with a B plus. I don't think we addressed all the needs that we have to. Um, and the reason being, I think a corner should have went earlier. Uh, but from where I was, which was a B minus, I will up it to a B. A B. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um... And the reason and the reason for the B minus at first was because I, I don't think at first some of the picks really made sense at the time and I, I remember after we took milton williams i was kind of like but why and the last time i was like that was when jalen hurts got taken now this is nowhere near that you know yeah. but i was just like i don't know about that one i i think he's a good player i didn't know a ton about him but from what i saw he was good it's just I, I really thought they should have addressed corner earlier and gotten that, you know, talent early. Um, I don't know. But it, I, I'm at a B. I, I'm not mad. I'm definitely not exuberant. But with Devontae Smith, I'm stoked. Yeah, I mean, and like I said earlier, how he even said it himself. I mean, we're not done making moves yet. Um, so he'll probably make a move for another corner. Um, and, and I said this during the draft to Ryan, 
I, and I said in in this podcast, we're rebuilding. We are, and I know he's he's not saying that out loud, but we are. We're a rebuilding team. So I think just taking best player available, and if you want to build through your offensive lines first, then that's exactly what he did in this draft. So this is a good starting point for for the rebuild, I think. Um, you know, it's not it's not about needs when you're rebuilding. It's about just best player available. Let's 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 go get them. Um, and you know, so we'll see. Uh, I think they were really uh, we're also playing for next year's draft as well because again we have we could have three first round picks next year. So we're not we're probably not going to compete this year, and we'll play for the draft next year. Get a get a bunch of talent next year. And then you go for it next year. So I think this is a good building block for um, for building the team. Now, we're also on the list of most likely people to get to Sean Watson. I don't want any part of that. No, I don't want any part of that either. I think I think people are just saying that if these whole allegations are false. Um, but nobody knows anything yet. I don't think anything will happen until those get resolved. So I don't think it's anything to worry about as an Eagles fan. Um, you're not going to see anything with him until, like I said, those allegations have been solved or if he's guilty, then he probably won't play. And he may, he may not even play anyway. Uh, Cause the NF, I mean, there was a report that he may not even play this year because of what's going on. So um, court proceedings take time, man. That's the thing. Yeah. And I mean, you're not going to see him, Unless the team really wants to take a shot, you're not going to see him get moved until this is all over. And he may yeah. not even play until this is all over. So the risk is not worth the reward Absolutely. at that point because the risk is there's, he never plays what, again and goes to jail. Right. I mean, there's what twenty some reports, so you, you can't take that risk. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I think we got a solid core. Moving forward, you got to give Jalen Hurts a chance. Yep. That's uh, that's something too. Like I, I, it wouldn't make sense if they didn't give Jalen Hurts the chance to prove that he can be a starting quarterback. Yep. And now you know you got him. You got him a great weapon in Dante Smith. You still got Dallas Goddard at tight end. I mean, you still got Hurts technically, but he's probably gonna be traded or released or something. Um, you have Jalen Rager coming back. Hopefully, he'll be healthy this year, so we'll actually see if he's good or not. Um, so yeah, this, I mean, this is a big, big year for Jalen Hurts. Um, and you know, if he doesn't pan out, then like we said, we have three first round picks next year. Um, it's another pretty good quarterback class. So we'll see. I mean, this is a big, big year for Jalen Hurts and he's going to be tested. Yeah. And that's all we got for the birds. Go birds. Go birds. Sixers, we are winding down. They are winning like crazy. Can they keep it up through the end of the season? Absolutely. Now, some of the wins haven't been coming in the prettiest fashion. But they're pulling through. Mm -hmm. Do you, like, I, I don't really care how they win so long as they win, you know? Yep. The way I look at it is a win is a win. I really don't care how you get it because that's how it is in the playoffs. I agree. You can win. You can win off of one extra foul, you know. Yep. And 
as the season's winding down, the teams are starting to play like, you know, even the teams that are out of contention, they're like, well, I want to knock these guys out. Yeah. That's just how it is. The games are tougher as we go down the stretch. Uh, what do you see is going to be our challenge to finish the season? And do you care about these close wins? Uh, not particularly, probably not as big as other people. Um, like you said, a win's a win. So uh, I'm fine with it. Um, I think the biggest thing for the Sixers right now is just to get everyone healthy for the playoffs. Um, so if you're if you're gonna sit Embiid, that's fine. Just do it. If you if you if you're gonna sit Simmons, fine. Just do it. If you're gonna sit Harris, do it. Um, just get everyone healthy for the playoffs because uh, that's your th- three games behind the Sixers. There's four games left. So I mean, you have to you have to win. You know, I mean, and and, and we're playing Indiana, Miami, and then Orlando for two to finish it off. So these, these are winnable games. Um, Miami's probably the scariest one out of the four. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's in Miami as well. So that could be a loss. Um, especially if, if not all our players play. Um, but I think the biggest thing for the Sixers, like I said, is just to get healthy, uh, get everyone healthy, get, get everyone ready, mentally prepared, physically prepared. And then let's go, let's go get this thing. Yep. I'm with you. Now, in the playoffs, you heard uh, Doc Rivers earlier this week say, if we have to go with an 11-man rotation, we're going to do it. I will not hesitate. Yeah. Does that scare you at all? Um, You know, and like this goes back to we had a conversation about the Sixers' depth, and you don't think we're that deep. But with an 11-man rotation in the playoffs, that's pretty damn deep. Yeah, I mean, so, I was surprised. Uh, I didn't think that he would give. I mean, he came out and said that Max is going to play in the in the playoffs. So I didn't expect that, but um, I'm okay with it. I am. I mean, he, you know, Doc Rivers knows what it takes to win. Um, so if he if he sees that these guys deserve the minutes, then go ahead and play him. I mean, you know, as as much as Shake Milton has been inconsistent, he's going to play in the playoffs. Um, Furkan is going to play. Um, and Tyrese is going to play. Um, Matisse is going to play. I mean, Dwight Howard and maybe even Mike Scott. So, um, if he, and and he's going to go with the hot hands. So whoever's hot, he's going to play. Um, so I don't have a problem with the 11 men rotation. Um, but if someone is struggling and we, and we have George Hill too. So I totally forgot about him. Um, so, you know, if he, if he wants to do that, I'm fine with it. Um, but if you if you see someone struggling, then yeah, you got to get them out and uh, just ride the hot hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I'm not super concerned about the 11 man rotation. It's just throughout this season we've seen a bench inconsistency, and I don't know that if you have a certain amount of guys that are just murdering it while they're out there together, why would you break that up? Right. Um, in a close playoff series. I, I think we're going to see Doc maybe go back on that a little bit. Oh, definitely. Pull like back. Said, yeah, some, I mean, I think someone's going to struggle. Um, and I think he's just going to be like, all right, you know, maybe maybe we'll hold back on you for a little bit. You know what I mean? Cause, and, and, you know, he says that now, um, but we'll see. Um, so it's going to be interesting, though. But like I said, Doc knows what he's doing. He, he's been around here. He's been around the league for a while, so – I, I have faith in him. And yeah, I, I think it's going to work out. 
Um, I think this is the playoffs to watch of the yep. process. Yep, for sure. This it, this goes back to the Raptor series watch, you know? Yep. I, I think, uh, I don't know, I think this one is going to be special year. I think we have to really hold true to the Sixers, and we really have to make sure that, you know, we're behind them through and through as fans. Definitely. I think after Memorial Day, we have a potential to see a, a higher capacity crowd in the Wells Fargo Center. Yep. Which we might get some reminiscent vibes of reality. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Because I refuse to think this is, you know, reality. The new norm. No, there's no new norm. We learned that from Philadelphia, remember? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I mean, the more people in that building, the better for the Sixers. So. Yeah, you know, the Sixers, regardless, are better at home. And yeah. they dominated home. Yep. But what they have to do is get over that hump and win on the road in the playoffs. Um, whether it's, you know, if they got home court advantage, they win two, they lose the next one, and then win the next one, I don't care. I really don't care. I agree. I agree. So yeah. Last year they were just brutal on the road. Um, they, have, they have gotten better. Still not great, but definitely a lot better from what we saw last year. So I'm right. definitely more confident in their ability to win on the road. Uh, like I said, still not great, but definitely better. And um, we're still just almost unbeatable at home. It's it's crazy how much better we are at home. And um, if we do get that one seed, then it's going to be great for us. So now that we're getting towards the end of the season, is Joel Embiid actually in MVP contention with the time that he missed? I mean, of course, I'm going to say yes, because I'm a I'm a fan of the Sixers. Um, I, I really don't think that he is, if I'm being honest, I really don't think that the, the meet, the national media is even putting him in the conversation anymore, uh, which is sad. So probably not. If I'm, if I'm being honest, if I'm being brutally honest and most likely he won't be, he won't be it. So as much as I hate to say it. And what do you think will be the biggest thing that we have to look for from the starting lineup? starting rotation in the playoffs um well i mean again they, they have to get healthy um and i you know i need more consistency out of out of seth and danny green and i need aggressive ben simmons you know i, I go back to say you know playing out of his mind tobias harris as well i know he's a little banged up but since yeah. that knee injury has popped up he's kind of declined a little yeah, I think he's just being more conservative. I don't think he's taking as many shots. Um, but uh, I think when playoffs ramp up, he'll be he'll be back to that, uh, especially when we need him. So um, he's been great defensively, though. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think he's just you know he's he's trying to be conservative because I, I think you're right. He's ha- he's had a lingering knee issue. Um, I think he's trying to be ready for the playoffs, be 100 yeah. percent. So he's being a little bit more conservative. And but he's still been he's still been good. Um, but like, yeah, just definitely. I didn't say bad. It's just, it's not to the level that he was playing. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. But, um, I think, um, another thing that we have to look for is, uh, you know, as you said, aggressive Ben Simmons needs to be there. Yep. And, and I say this because let's say 
God forbid, you know, Joel Embiid is in foul trouble early on. Mm-hmm. And we need to sit him for a little bit. Yeah. We need one of our big guys to step up and really be able to pound the lane and score. Yep. I'm not, I don't worry about Ben defensively. Yeah. But I have been worrying about a scoring lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, he still deserves the criticism for not taking any shots whatsoever. But I, I'm less concerned about that and more concerned about the lack of scoring in general at this point. I agree. I, I definitely agree. I think he can drive the lane and score whenever he desires. Yeah. But for some reason, he's just not. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, I said this a couple weeks ago when we had that big, big thing. Um, or it was a week before that. We were just talking about Ben Simmons. But um, I, I'm hoping that when the playoffs start, then he'll 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 turn that on. You know what I mean? Um, but so. when has he ever I – mean, how do I put it this way? I don't, I don't want to put it wrong because, like, I love Ben Simmons, but I, I've seen – I've seen uh, hesitancy to adapt from Ben throughout his career. Is, is he just hesitant to change his game at all? Um, is he seeing that something's not working and refusing to change it up a little bit? Is he not seeing the holes? It's got to be something. I, I mean, I really hope it's not off-court issues, but, I mean, nothing bad, but, you know, people struggle, you know? Being a superstar is probably tough, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, media all over you 24-7, and people always talking bad about you. And, I, like, I don't want to do that, but, like, you know, you have, you have to give some criticism here. Like, nobody's perfect. Um, I don't... I don't want to see him not be able to do anything in the playoffs because he is that big of a key factor for us. Yeah. Ben Simmons is the it factor if mm. Embiid is in foul trouble, for example. Yeah. I, I think I think he will. I, I think he, he'll realize, like you said, if Embiid is in foul trouble or God forbid gets injured, um, that he'll realize that be like, all right, you know, Embiid's out. This is my team now. Let, let's go, let's go do this. Um, that's got to be his mentality, and if it's not, then there is a problem. Um, but I, I really do think that's that's that that's that's what would happen. Um, but we'll see. Um, it, it 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 could happen, but um, that's got to be your mentality if that's if that's the case. All right. Um, is there really anything else that we have to cover for the Sixers? <sighs> no, man. I, I'm just go get that one seed and let's go get this thing, man. Um, and we'll, we'll go over playoff matchups next week after we know what seed we have. Yeah. And uh, either like way, it. I'm stoked for the playoffs to start. Yep, I'm excited. All right. Let's put the balls back on the rack and let's walk it off. Talk some Phillies. They're All so right. weird, man. Yeah, you know, I, I, can't get a, I can't get a read on them. <sighs> you know? When we said, are the Phillies good? It's too early to tell. Are the Phillies good? It's still too early to tell. I guess it is. I mean, I just don't know if they're good. I really don't know. There's some games where they're just unbeatable, and then some games, you know, me and you could hit a home run off them. Like, it's just, it's so weird. Uh, You Um, know what I noticed? Um, This is a peculiar thing. So... Even 
are better starting pitchers, they'll go out and throw a gem. Yeah. Think about Zach Wheeler um, opening weekend. Pitched for, what, seven, eight innings and murdered it on at the plate, too. And it was just like that dude could not be hit. But then the next outing literally gives up seven runs. Like, I don't know if that's how many he gave up, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that's I'm exaggerating. But it's bad. And then he'll come back and he'll throw nine innings and shut him out. And right. then the next game he'll give up 12 runs. Yeah, I mean, and, that's been the problem with them for, for – like, We're seeing the same thing with Nola now. Um, yeah. He can't pitch in Atlanta. I don't know what it is about that park. Yeah. But every time he's there, he's like, I'm just going to blow every bit of hope out of all of these fans. Well, I mean, the Braves are a good team, but yeah. – Right, but if you want to if you want to call yourself an ace, you have to be an ace against the best. Yep. And I, I know you're going to have bad games here and there. But a bad game for an ace should be four runs, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Because uh, when you think about someone like uh, like a Garrett Cole, do you expect him to give up seven runs ever? Yeah, no. Well, that guy is, I mean, he's he strikes out 15 every time he gets up there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, he, he he got pulled after throwing 58 pitches, which, which is the fewest in his career at a start. Um, so he just, he had a, he had a bad game. He, he just had a really bad game. Um, but I mean, that it's for everyone. Everyone's just, they gotta be consistent, man. I mean, everyone, every single player on this team, it's just a roller coaster. It, it really is. It's bad. I mean, Hoskins, you know, Hoskins started out the year. He led the league in home runs for like a week and now he's done nothing. Um, Harper's been good, but he got hurt. He got thrown at the face. Uh, Alex Bohm's been okay. You know, he he's still good when runners are on, but other than that, he's has been great. Um, McCutcheon's starting to come on now, but it took a month. And the pitching, the the especially the bullpen, the bullpen's been brutal. Uh, and, and like you said, the starting pitching has been not that great. Um, I, I don't know, man. I really don't know how to feel about this team. Um, they just, they gotta be more consistent, man. It's too much of the up and downs. Like, what, I don't even know if this team, this team could be the worst team in the league or the best. I really don't know. I, I actually do not know. Yeah. You know, I, I, a hundred percent agree with you. I, I, I don't see, <laughs> that's the crazy part. It's it just, the, the, this team is so unpredictable and it's in a bad way. I never know what I'm going to get out of them. And right. it, it's really hard to evaluate where they stand, you know? So some of these games, the offense can put up eight runs, and other games they can look like they couldn't hit off of a tee. Right. Yeah. And the pitching is the same way. Yeah. Uh, some games they'll shut out, and they will look so dominant that they should win the Cy Young. And other games, they look like a three-year-old went out there just threw lob pitches to Major League Baseball players. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's really crazy. Every single game, I I have no clue what I'm gonna get. It's a crapshoot. It really is. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think – I mean, this team still has holes. Um, I think Matt Moore has been moved to the bullpen. So, that's not good. Uh, Vince Velasquez in your starting rotation. I know he's been okay, but – We'll see how long that lasts. We, right. we, we know. Yeah, we, we, we know. The fact that he still has a spot on this roster blows my skull. Well, uh, let me let me change it up to some positive news, right? 
Good luck. So I was watching ESPN the other day, and they were talking about Bryce Harper through 5,000 plate appearances. Okay. And comparing him to Barry Bonds after oh, 5,000 oh, plate appearances. No, of course, yeah, why not? No, 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 listen, okay? All right. So Bryce Harper through 5,000 plate appearances has a 276 batting average. Okay. Barry Bonds has 282. Okay. Bryce Harper has a 388 on base percentage. Okay. Barry Bonds has a 390. Okay. Bryce Harper has a 514 slugging. Uh-huh. Barry Bonds a 526. Okay. Bryce Harper has a 902 OPS. And Bonds has a 916. Bryce Harper has 752 walks. Bonds has 750. Bryce Harper has 238 home runs. Barry Bonds has 227. Bryce Harper has 678 RBIs. And Bonds has 688. Okay. That's not that far apart from me. <laughs> and yet, uh, he's still one of the most hated players in the league. So is Bonds. Yeah, for, but Bonds for, for the reasons. steroids. <laughs> Bond, Barry Bonds, definitely for the steroids. Yeah. Why uh, is Harper the hated? He gets, probably he gets, because he was the flashy young guy in Washington. He gets zero respect. Zero. I mean, I didn't even realize this, you know, like these are the stats that I like. I mean, Uh, dudes want an MVP. Wait, wait. This is Bryce Harper at 28. That was Barry Bonds at 29. There you go. So. And and he's not he's not a top 10 player in the league because. Please explain to me. (laughs) Well, you know, like, listen, I know he, you know, he, he's had some, I guess, down seasons, but they haven't been that bad. I mean, he's been mostly consistent through his whole career. A I down mean, who's season MVP? 50. He's won an MVP. How many people can say that? I, I think uh, the season's young, and I, I think this season. And he still, he was hitting fine before he got drilled in the nose. Yeah, well, I think that would rattle anyone, honestly. Of course it would. Of course. And he had a, he had another issue, too. I think he had, like, a uh, like a hamstring or, or something, which kept him out for a few games. But it wasn't his face. It was something else. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to get drilled in the face with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. And the fact that he, he, got, he gets drilled in the face by a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, and he goes on Instagram, looks unfazed, by the way, Look, no blemishes or anything on his face. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then sends a text message to the guy that hit him in the face and be like, yo, if you want to talk, you know, let me know. I know I know you didn't mean to, you know, just let me know if you want to talk or anything. And and the Cardinals manager found that out and said, dude, I have so much respect for Bryce Harper now. But nobody talks about that Harper did that. On, on national media. Nobody. Well, you know, uh, Bryce Harper also... You remember the Phillies fan in Atlanta that gave that home run ball away to the Braves fan? Yeah, he signed the ball, and Freddie Freeman, too. Him and Freddie Freeman signed the ball, and then uh, Bryce Harper goes on ESPN 
who is interviewing the kid as a surprise and invites him to Citizens Bank Park when things open back up. Right. Personal invite. Yeah. To come tour the place, you know, dugout and everything. Like, yeah, this is a real bad guy. Yeah, let's paint this guy as a real horrendous human being because it seems like every single thing that he does, whether he's cocky or not on the field, I really think that's the only reason people don't like him. Who the hell cares? cares? That, that's another thing, too. I, I think the lack of flair is what's killing baseball, you know? The, the pitcher's going out. If someone does a bat flip and drilling the guy with 98-mile-an-hour heat, that's right. not cool, man. Like That's why but, everyone loves Fernando Tatis, because he's controversial. He, like, when he hits a home run, he flips his bat. It's like, oh, my God, he flipped his bat. He's going to get the pitcher, man. Like, who cares? Yeah, but that shouldn't be controversial. And now, Like, there's a it, difference. There's a difference between a batter hitting a home run, doing a bat flip, and then saying, like, F you, I'll see your mom later. Like, that's where you get drilled in the face. Right. But if the batter just flips the bat and is like, let's go, that's yeah. not enough. No, but people, people eat that crap up like it's nothing. If there's if there's anything that seems controversial, ESPN's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, yes, we have to put it up, we have to put it up, we have to put it up. And, and see, make it and make it so it's like, oh, did Tatis try to, uh, you know, make fun of the pitcher or something? Like, no, he just he hit a home run. and He was excited. Like, who cares? And, and every see, time, like, first of all, and every time Tatis hits a home run, by the way, I get an update on my phone. It's like, oh, Tatis hits another home run. Like, dude, I don't give a crap about Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay, stop. He's good. Me. Like, I, I think he's really good. He's a great player. He's fantastic. But I don't give a crap when he hits a home run, unless I'm a Padres fan, which I'm not. Now, see, I will say this, too. Going back to those unwritten rules and when to throw and when to not throw at someone. In the case of the Phillies in that situation, not only did Bryce Harper get drilled with a fastball, right? Yeah. The very next at-bat, Didi Gregorius gets drilled in the ribs with a fastball. I really don't think that... I, it wasn't got, intentional. He just was didn't not have control. Right. He he just he didn't have his stuff that day. He just didn't. It, it was the same thing with um with Alvarado in the Met series in the beginning of the year. I think he drilled like two guys in a row, and uh, which is Dominic Smith got mad or something. He started chirping to Alvarado, and Alvarado literally you could see him on TV. Alvarado said literally, it was just I de- I didn't mean to. He's like stop, like I didn't mean to, and you could see Alvarado saying. That, that's why the whole thing with Alvarado and Dominic Smith, that whole brawl, that's where that started, was in the beginning of the season, the first series, where Alvarado just didn't have his stuff. That's where that started. And you could literally see Alvarado be like, no, I'm sorry. Like, he's like, he's like waving him off. He's like, no, no, I didn't mean to. But, but see, it, here goes the thing. But anytime, anytime someone gets hit, and especially twice in a row, then you're going to have someone chirping. And it was with heat. And if it wasn't in the face and it was right. a curveball, I really don't think anyone would have cared. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, I, I really think that the three batter rule should be altered slightly. And hear, hear this out. Face three batters unless the pitcher poses danger yeah. to the current batters. Okay. And that the umpire can judge that rule as such, yeah. you know. And, you know, I actually don't know if I trust that. Upstairs umpires should do it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, in that situation, if, if a guy, if someone gets, if there's two guys that get hit in a row, be like, all right, 
if you want to switch, go ahead. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the time to do it. Um, but it'll be up to the umpires and it'll be up to the manager as well if he wants to pull him then. Yep. And honest to God, I I think that in that given situation, and I know people won't like this, they should give the bullpen time to warm up because yeah. I would I would rather the players that are batting be safe. I agree. Then the likelihood of them getting severely injured by taking a fastball off of their head. Yeah, I, I, I never really had a problem with the time of the game. Like the whole the whole people like, oh, it's got to be faster to be more entertaining. Like, no, it doesn't. You just don't like baseball. I mean, I, I don't care. It can take five hours. I would still love baseball. I don't care about the time. So, yeah, I agree with that. I think if you if you're going to do that. Let the guys let the guys warm up more. Make sure they're they have their their they're under control. They're not putting a danger on the on the batters. And let's play freaking baseball. See, and that's the thing too. When it when it comes to flair and whatnot, I do have one more point that I want to get to before the flair. So Hector and Aris, well, the game after, um, both sides are issued warnings so and no one gets hit. That was stupid, by the way. Uh, it was. So the what, next game. Phillies, hold on. Phillies, two in a row, they get they get hit, and then they warn them. So the Phillies can't retaliate. That's ridiculous. Now they that did. is why Jordy was so mad at that. Now Hector Neris, on the other hand, a game and later, drills Nolan Arenado with a fastball in his upper back. Right. Which is that's what the retaliation was, and no right. one argued it, no one fought. They just knew yep. it was coming, and they, they like, knew whatever. It wasn't aiming at his head. It was just like, a, you know what? Here you go, buddy. Yep. I'm sorry. It's just got to be done. Exactly. And that is true. That That is the unwritten rule. Yep. You, you know, you got us too much. We got to get you back. And if you don't like it, boo-hoo. Yeah, that, that, was, that was poor on the umpire in that scenario. Like, so what, what they're trying to do is, like, prevent a brawl from happening. Dude, listen – I know, but I think both teams understood. Be like, all right, we hit your guy. Go ahead, just, just don't, you know, don't kill the guy, but you can hit him. So that's exactly what Hector did. And but he had to wait until the next game to do it because he couldn't do it in the previous game because the umpire warned him before the Phillies could do anything. Yep. And I think that that's why Girardi got so mad. And I agree. I think it was stupid. Hundred percent. Um, and now going back to flair, you know, when you think of the most popular sport in the world, it, it, it's soccer. Soccer is the most popular sport in the world. Yep. You know, a lot of people grow up on it because it it's not very expensive to just kick around a soccer ball yep. with your friends growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. In, now, that, that might be in Europe, South America, and things like that. But in other communities and other countries – Baseball is a way of life. Yep. And individuals coming from these different countries are taught a different style of play. You see it from Japan. You see it from the Dominican Republic. You see it from Puerto Rico. It, and it, it's really entertaining to see all these different cultures come together in the Major League Baseball. And it's just I, – I think that, you know, in, in a traditional sense, oh, that's a mockery of the game. Well, the traditional sense can shove it up its own rear – because this is the most entertaining I've seen baseball in a while yeah. with all of these guys coming together and with all of this happening. 
the unwritten rules are four situations that are aforementioned in our podcast. If you drill two of our guys, you're getting drilled. Right. Not if you flip a bat, I'm going to beam you with exactly. a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Exactly. It and doesn't that's make why, sense. Right. And I, that's why I don't get why people get mad at that. Like, dude, he hit a run. Let him be excited. Who cares? Dude, I'm just saying if I ever made the majors, which I'm not. He's not making fun. Of, like, if you're, if you're the pitcher, right, and, and you get mad at someone for doing that, he's not making fun of you. He's excited that he hit a home run. Like, he's not being like, oh, you suck. Like, no. I hit yeah, it on run. Can I be excited? It's more of like an ego trip, but in a good way. Like, it's like, God damn, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I hit a home run off of you? Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna get excited because you're good and I hit a home run off you. So I don't really get why people, some people, some pitchers get upset at that. I really don't get it, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, it'll be fine. It, it's just. I think some things are going to work themselves out over time. I really think – so the game of baseball does have to be faster. I, I agree with that. But I think the extra inning rule is kind of a mockery to the game. That, yeah. I think, is a mockery to the game. I agree. I think it doesn't make – it doesn't really make sense. You know, there, there's um, – you know, there, there's supposed to be smart minds in the front office, yet they've let the average age of baseball viewers go to like 57. Yeah, you know, they should have known this is happening and actually had ideas to come up with. I don't think moving the pitcher's mound a foot back is going to really help. No, no, and it's not. The thing I don't think that's going to help with right now is pitchers coming up in college right now that are going to get drafted. <laughs> Do you think that they're pitching on a mound that's a foot back? Yeah, that's stupid. I think it's going to increase home runs. I really do. I think it's. I don't think it's going to increase base hits. Um. I think right now the thing that's struggling with baseball is getting the ball into play. When we see people, when we see hitters worry about launch angle and hitting that homer every single time, I think that's detrimental to the game of baseball. I would rather see more doubles. I haven't seen a triple since the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's 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 the analytics part. I think people are are too are getting too into that. Um, you know, what, whatever happened to your traditional? Um, is if it's down the middle power swing, right. you know, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was taught, you know, look for your pitch, be patient. And if you like it, swing at it, N- nothing about this launch angle or, or, you know, exit velocity or, or all that stuff. Like, I'm not worried about all that stuff. Can I get on base? That's all I need to know. And, and see, that's the thing too. Uh, it, it, going back to what you said, be patient, find your pitch. And if you if it's down the middle and you swing at it and, you know, it, and I compare this to an NBA three pointer. If you're open, take the shot and right. miss. But it was a good shot. Exactly. It's a good shot. If it's down the middle, you swing and you pop it up. You know, damn, you wish you had that ball back. But you swung at the right pitch. Exactly. It, eventually, it's going to pay off. It's not going to be a joke. And. The level of talent in MLB, the level of worldwide talent. Yeah. I would go to say, other than soccer, baseball is one of the most worldwide, you know, it it brings everything together. When you, when you think of America's pastime, it's America's pastime because it's literally a melting pot. You know, it wasn't always that way, but when you see what it's become, it's just been – 
it's an adventure of its own. Baseball has to move forward and be more entertaining. And, you know, I, I hate the Astros. I really do. But you know what they do well right now? They put the ball in play. Yeah. What yeah. do you think of the A's? Right. What do they do well? They put the ball in play. Right. That's what matters. Yeah, and all these young guys coming up are, are so worried about power and like, oh, am I going to hit a home run? No, you got to be worried about your hitting. The power, if, you, if you're going to, if you hit well, the power will come. Yeah. Like, that's why when Alec Boehm came up last year, he hit 338. I'm like, okay, this dude's going to be a stud. Like, I didn't worry. He had four home runs. And I'm like, I'm not worried about that. If he keeps hitting the way he is, the power's going to come. So that's what, that, I think that's what, that's what coaches these days have to be telling their, their kids and their guys. Listen, man, don't worry about the launch angle. If you get your pitch, just try to drive it and, and swing at it. And if you're worried about home runs, just don't. Like, just be worried about getting on base. And as long as you hit, the power's going to come with it. So I think that's the – it's a simple thing to say, and I think it's got to be said more. Yep. No, that's right. It's it's not very hard. It's no. not really hard at all when you think about and it. And that's why and that's why it's so world known because like it's so easy. Just grab a bat, grab a ball, grab a glove and go out there and play. Like that that's why it's so and that's why a lot of people love it and play it as kids. And that's why it's so one of the biggest sports in the world. Played. It it, it played. Yep. When when you think of American football. Yep. It's not the most played worldwide. Most popular here. Only plays here. Yeah, people only play it here. You know, when I went to – I visited Tokyo. I went to the Tokyo Dome, and I watched the Yomiuri Giants game. Mm -hmm. The crowd energy there compared to here. I can only imagine. Was so much different. Yep. They had school bands from each team on one side of the outfield and the other side of the outfield. The stadium was packed. Everyone was excited, stoked, you know, yeah. a lot of people bringing their kids, you know, people were coming up because we were foreigners just saying hi. Yeah. But. And it, that's the one thing I do. I do like about the MLB. They're starting to expand and they're starting to play games like Japan, like in Mexico. Like, you know, I, I like that they're doing that. That is the right move. That's right. the right move. Mexico, like Latino. Yep. The communities love baseball. Yep. And that's what – and think about the Dominican Republic. So many talented baseball players come from the Dominican Republic. Yep. And I don't know why we're not focusing more there. You know, it, you know there might well, be literally travel, travel requirements and things right now with COVID. Right. But yeah. in the future, I would love to see more ball played around the world. That is what's drawing people in. And, and, you know, it's crazy. One of the best players in the MLB right now, Ronald Acuna, I mean, we, we don't like him because he's on the Braves, but he wasn't even drafted. The Braves signed him from, I think, the Dominican Republic, if I'm not mistaken. But wh- wherever he was from, they just signed him because they, they they went to scout him and like, oh, this dude can play. He wasn't even drafted. Yeah, they he went to where he was living and saw him play. We're like, yep, let's get him. That's all they look, did. And now he's look, one of the best players in the league. Think of a role as Chapman. Guy out of Cuba. This dude could throw a 105-mile-an-hour fastball. Sign him right now. 
exactly. And there's probably so many more young kids out there who may not get the opportunity to get drafted, but are really good players. And that's why you see the increased use of international pool money in trades. Exactly. Because it is important. And, you know, some of these kids are signing at 16, 17. Yep. But in a foreign country, you know, that's the only way to prospect these kids. And they literally are kids at 16. Exactly. Kids at 17. You you probably lose the kid title at 25. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still a kid and I'm 22. You know, that's the thing. It, It just is what it is. Yeah. These guys, these kids, these kids that are coming up are talented. They're entertaining. And they're the new generation of baseball that's going to be the next big wave. You know, you talk about people like Mike Trout not really being very vocal. So what? He's not that kind of guy. But you got to find someone who is. Right. And that's what I think they found with Fernando Tatis. And, and, and it's okay if they're not that way, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, Mike Trout, if he keeps playing the way he does, he could be the greatest to ever do it. But he's not going to get that much attention because, like you said, he's, he's a quiet guy. He doesn't speak out that much. He, he's not very flashy. But he just plays the game the right way. And that's the difference between him and someone like Fernando Tatis or Ronald Acuna or someone like – because they're very flashy. But they're still good. Don't get me wrong. They're still incredibly good. But they're just very flashy in what they do. That's why they get more attention than someone like, like let's say, Mike Trapp. Right. But we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think we've talked long enough, so we've reached our destination for the day. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. You can find us on phlsportsnation.com for all your Philly sports wants, needs, and desires. You go to the podcast tab, go to the PHL Bandwagon. There you can find us on Anchor. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on iHeartRadio. You can follow us on Twitter, at the PHL Bandwagon, on Facebook, at the PHL Bandwagon, and you know, we always do put out polls. We put out posts. Please share. Please interact with us. We really do appreciate it. Um, you know, we try to interact back with our fans, the fans of PHL Sports Nation. You know, we do realize that it's a really diehard community. Um, Philadelphia is home, and that's the most important thing. So it's awesome to be talking with people um, who are either like-minded or calling us stupid. Uh, it works. It's kind of a tit-for-tat relationship, but I'll take it. I will take it. If you have anything to recommend to us or if you want to see us on any other podcast distribution sites, um, email us at phlthebandwagon.com. We will definitely – phlthebandwagon at gmail.com. Excuse me. And we will definitely try to do that. We now also have merch. So go to the web shop and you can find your TBW hoodie, which I'm wearing right now. I have a black one. It's very nice. It's comfy snug if it weren't going to be 70 degrees i would wear it in bed but i'm not going to um i also got a t-shirt in orange and they got a long sleeve t-shirt in navy blue we have an assortment of colors so if you're a fan of ours we would really appreciate the support um again we thank manscape for sponsoring us lawnmower 4.0 is a game changer highly recommend use promo code phl 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com thank you for listening we will see you at the next stop. Go birds. Go birds.